So glad to be preaching week number three with you today. And um, honestly, I could be done with this sermon in about five minutes. I could give you my three points and be like, hey, this is a homework sermon. You work on these three things and uh, and, and you'll be in really good shape. Uh, but of course, I'm a preacher and I like to talk, so I'm going to take my 30 minutes, okay? But uh, today's got three things that uh, Paul told us in a lot of his writings. Paul would write to fellow believers and other churches and he would say, look, um, I know you've heard this before, but it's good that I remind you. Like, I know this isn't a new concept to you, but it's important that we talk about it again and that we stay up on this. And so we say around here all the time, we believe the largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. We know we should be eating better and exercising, but it you know boils down to a whole other thing when we actually get ready. So we got all of these, oh, I should save more money and I should do all these things. We, what we know to do and what we actually do, there's a huge gap in between. And so it's important for us in the things of God to close that gap because like Paul's saying, look, I know these are, these are things that you've heard before, but we got to stay on them. They're important. Are you with me? And so today in week three, I want to just talk about um, how it's important for us to not be overly distracted, of course the series is called Distracted, but here's what I will say in fairness to all of us. We all sort of have like a, a dent in us <laughs> from this pandemic. You remember in the beginning of it, and a lot of us are like, no, I'm cool, I'm cool. No, you're naive. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but here's the deal. Remember everybody in the beginning like, oh, it's two weeks. We're going to flatten the curve. Two, and then here we are still. And I promise you, I'm in the front of the line as a pastor who's like, I wish I could stop talking about the pandemic and preaching sermons about like how to deal and react to the pandemic and the virus and all of the things. But the truth is, it's happening. It's still happening. And there's things that we still have to be aware of and not get distracted with. There's a cloudiness that just came in. I said in the last couple of weeks, like, not only are you trying to figure out which information is true, which information is legit, but you're also like forced to make predictions. You know, we're all like called to be fortune tellers now. What's it going to be in six weeks, eight weeks, three months? Like it puts us in this really unfair situation. And so what it's doing is it's distracting us from what really matters and what's really should be our vision. And so I'm actually kind of here to say this, you know, the old expression that says, uh, sometimes you just got to take a season, like you just got to shake the cobwebs off right? And, okay, nobody in here is that. Okay, that's fine. I had more fun with first service anyway, so it's fine. But uh, the old shake the cobwebs off thing, like, man, we all got a dent. We all took a hit in this thing, but you just got to have this moment where it's like, all right, we're going we're gonna to shake all this off and we're going to refocus. We're going we're gonna to wait for what? Clarity to come back. If you ever played sports and you got hit hard or whatever, and the coach, when we were irresponsible, we didn't care about concussions. It was like, hey, how you doing? But he's like, oh, he's seeing stars. Okay, well, we're not going to take him out of the game. Just make him run one play. Make it a handoff, not like a hard one. He can just do like an easy play. And uh, what did you say? Oh, his bell got rung. Like he was seeing stars. And then you just needed a moment to like recalibrate, refocus. What I'm trying to say is you had to knock the distraction off. Are you with me? And, uh, and so it's what we're facing as Christians. It's what we're facing as people. It's what we're facing as mankind. It's like, hey, we have got to not let these things be such a distraction that we miss what we're really called to do. Um, if you grew up watching sports or being a part of sports, you remember how they used to teach you, hey, when you're a baseball player, you got to keep your eye on the ball. It's talking about don't get distracted. Keep proper vision of what you should be looking at. We're in a season as a church, as a people, where we have got to keep our eye on the ball. Can I get an amen today? Uh, I know Facebook is, is helping me preach this. You guys are doing good. But here in this room, I'm okay with a little bit of amens and a little bit of extra. But we got to keep our eye on the ball. They would say a lot of times about like receivers in football who are going out to catch the ball. 
many times the ball would be coming to them and they would begin to think about their next move, how they would turn and run. Before they've received the ball, before they've caught the ball, they're already thinking about their next thing. And so in turn, they actually drop the ball before they're able to go run. And they say, oh, well, what happened here is he began to think about, he got distracted about the next thing and he missed what he was supposed to do here. My worry and my caution to all of us is that I hope that we're not all dropping the ball because we're just thinking about the next thing. Are you with me today? Many of us have said, oh, I've, I've lost track. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened because I lost track of what I was doing. We just got distracted. We got absent-minded and we lost track of what we were doing and therefore it caused a failure. It caused a mistake in our life because we let ourselves get distracted. Um, they tell us in motocross and racing dirt bikes, uh, they say when you crash, because it's not if, it's when. <laughs> uh, and so they say when you crash, uh, what you need to do when you pick up your bike is you, you crash and you get back up. And then what you need to do, you don't quickly get back on the bike and start going as fast as you can again. Instead, what you need to do, you get on the bike and you do a couple slower laps and you make sure all the levers are working again and go through all the gears, make sure everything's shifting properly. You sort of recalibrate, you make sure everything's good. You go back to the basics before you get after it again. You guys can ask Daniel over here uh, about crashing motorcycles and breaking collarbones. He'll tell you about recalibrating. But uh, you just take a minute. You take them and they say, hey, it's just smart. And so that's kind of what this sermon is like, man, we've been in this season where there's been a whole bunch of distractions thrown at us and we may have crashed and that's okay, but let's just take a minute, go back to the basics. Let's recalibrate some things before we go ripping back out there. Uh, they tell you if you're a horse person, they say, if you fall off a horse, you got to get back in the saddle, but that's not true. If you fall off a horse, you should sell it because horses are stupid. So that's my take <laughs> on horses. My mom is here and she has horses and that's the truth. But uh, they tell you, yeah, they tell you, they tell you in sports, uh, if somebody, I know it's a lot of sports analogies um, because there's a absence in my life. So I'm going to make up for it by telling you them. But they say when someone suffers like a major injury, uh, maybe they had to have a surgery and they were out of their sports career for a minute or whatever. They say the hardest part of the comeback is taking the first shot or taking the next hit. You're going to get tackled for the first time. And you just don't know how it's going to be until it happens again. And so uh, there's just this, oh, we got to get through the first thing. And so I think that's where we all, too, we have to recalibrate. we got to come back into this thing, refocus, and just be ready for the next thing that's going to be in front of us because I believe this should be the church's finest hour. I think it's ridiculous that we're driving up and down roads and we're still seeing churches closed up when the... Anyway, one amen, I'm with you. But anyway... I believe this is the church's finest hour. I believe the darker things grow, the more bright the churches should shine. And so we don't let ourselves get distracted and lethargic because we have this excuse called whatever it is. I believe this is our moment. Are you with me? And so three points for you real quick. And here's the deal. These points are so uh, basic. It's like what Paul said. Hey, we're going to go back to these basics. I'm going to remind you of these things that I'm actually so serious about. If we make these adjustments, you'll actually see immediate change in your life. So here's how much I believe in these being a part of your life is I'm going to make it your homework. But I'm also going to go old school and I'm going to pastoral visit you this week. Knock on the door. Pastor's here. Just here to check up on these three points. How are you doing? <laughs> Just kidding, I'm not going to do that. But 
I believe if you take these thoughts, you go back and you work on them, you talk to your spouse about them, or you take them to the Lord and you pray about them, I believe that you can see change. So point number one is this. I got three of them. Many of you don't know this. I've been sharing some of these tips with you each week. Uh, Did you know if you're a note taker, you're somebody who follows along and keeps notes of things in church, did you know those people who take notes in church, did you know that your kids actually, study shows that your kids actually go to bed on time and eat all their meals properly? So if you want to be taking notes, it's a good thing. So point number one that you would write down is this. When we are distracted, we make mistakes. When we're distracted, it causes us to make mistakes. When we're people who are too busy, too rushed, too unfocused, uh, not paying enough attention, we make mistakes. Uh, Now, typically, I like to make fun of my wife in service. I like to make fun of my mom or my mother-in-law in service, and I'm going to get to that. But first... In fairness to family, I'm going to start with my father-in-law, who's sitting in the back back there. Uh, Yesterday, I was out at their place, and I was uh, cleaning up like a tree limb that had fallen off during the storm, and the neighbor had come over and was talking to my father-in-law. And I overhear them talking. The neighbor says, "Um, hey, I heard you uh, really like my mailbox. And so I'm kind of listening to what's going on. Well, the road that they live on was having dirt brought in. And so there was these piles all over the road of dirt. And my father-in-law, Jim, was bringing the RV back home. And he was so focused or distracted by the dirt piles that he blew up the guy's mailbox. He ran over his mailbox completely. (laughs) And so when he was distracted, he made mistakes. He made a mistake. Another one that I thought about. As my dad, I think, yeah, okay, he's in service back there. When I was a kid, my dad was mowing the lawn, and so he's running a push mower, and I'm just a young kid, but it's one of those things that sears in your memory. As you were growing up, maybe you heard a statement that you will forever remember because of maybe the way it was said or the tone it was said, but my dad was pushing a push mower, and he was mowing out at the lawn, and it, the chute got clogged with grass. If you're not a lawnmower, it's the part where the, the grass blows out, and so he left the engine running and decided to stick his hand into the chute to clear the grass. And so shortly thereafter, he came running back up the driveway with a chopped up finger and said, oh, he's saying, oh, I was just in a hurry and I thought I could swipe it out. And then it cut up his finger. When you are distracted, you make mistakes. Can I get an amen? Not to be outdone, though, my mother, who's also sitting here today. Welcome to the family roast, uh, by the way. Glad you could join us. Yeah, Facebook, you can share this. This gets better. Uh, it's warming up. Yeah, that's the benefit of being the preacher is like, hey, if you want to do it, here you go. But I get to do it. So my mother, we went grocery shopping. Again, as a child, I had a tra- traumatic childhood. And so um, we <laughs> had a pickup truck. And uh, if you, again, you're learning so much today. But if you put your groceries up against the back of the bed, I'm talking about the truck bed, not inside the truck. If you put your groceries or anything right up against the back, the wind draft blows over it without blowing those things around. So we went grocery shopping, and my mom took all the groceries and put them up against the back window of the truck bed. And then we were in a hurry and had some other things to do. So we went to the gas station, and she got gas. But then the machine asked her, would you like a car wash? And she said yes (laughs) and got the car wash code. At this time... At this time, I was a young boy who collected the Wheaties boxes. They were precious to me, all these sports figures and things. So I had my Wheaties box that I probably earned uh, cleaning horse poop of horses that I hate. Do you see how this is all for circle, full circle here? And so we're in the car wash. Everything's going fine. The car is getting washed until the blowers come on. They're jet engine dryers. And so we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, no lie, no exaggeration, just up over the truck, splat on the front windshield, my Wheaties box. (laughs) We realize all of those groceries are ruined. 
Um, which then I said to my mother, who is my elder and leader, I said, um, what are we going to do? Our groceries are everywhere in there. And she left. She just left. <laughs> I think she called it a seed sown into the grocery or the car wash people. Now, my mother-in-law, who's also here in the back row back here, she's famous for this distraction. My mother was distracted, so she made a mistake. My mother-in-law, this one happens to, I've known her maybe almost 20 years, probably a little bit less. Uh, you wouldn't find it rare to be hanging out with her, and she'll be wearing two different shoes. And I'll say, what happened? She, oh, my gosh, I didn't even notice. I left the house and wear two different shoes. I'd love to say that's happened like, like just you know, once or twice in the 20 years I've known her. I think it's happened a couple times this year. And so that's what she does. Now, my wife, I know you guys are enjoying this. I'll be done in a minute. My wife was dating this guy, not me, and, uh, and she was driving his car. She borrowed his car. But, of course, like any person who's being responsible and undistracted, uh, she made Pop-Tarts that morning and was driving his car, and she dropped one of her because she heated up Pop-Tarts. I don't know why people still do that these days. But she heated it up, and it was too hot, and she dropped it on the floor. And upon reaching for her Pop-Tart on the floor, she drove off the road and smashed a garbage can wrecking her boyfriend's car. And uh, she got to call him and say, hey, um, I wrecked your car. What happened? I was reaching for a Pop-Tart. <laughs> and that was her. And then lastly, Vanessa, our children's director, in the very beginning of this church coming together, we had just made the hire to hire her as our children's director. You know, the person responsible for the safety and care of our children. And so Jess went over to her house to get to know her better and spend some time with her. And so upon leaving their house, Vanessa backed over the family tricycle and began to drag it down the neighborhood. <laughs> Driving, just, Jess is like, what's the noise? <laughs> and then we begin to realize, like, oh, the person in care of our children is dragging a tricycle down the neighborhood because she didn't look behind her. And here's the thing with that one, though. That didn't happen because she was distracted. She's a Michigan State graduate, and she can't do any better. So that was her <laughs> issue there. Shifting gears into something serious, uh, this isn't a joke. Jess and I got in an argument this week. We got in a full-blown argument this week. Some of you were like, What? I thought you were perfect. I know. You expect me to be. I know that's a lot of your expectation of us. But we got into an argument this week. And what's interesting about the argument is it's actually an argument that we've had multiple times before. Because every once in a while, here's what happens. She's wrong and she doesn't listen to me. And then we get in arguments. <laughs> Again, my sermon, I can say it the way I want to. But here's what's interesting about this argument, and it really boils down to really the purpose of this sermon. So that's probably why the Lord had us get in an argument this week just for sermon content. So here's the deal with the, the argument. We've had this argument multiple times before in our marriage. Like, we've had it before, and, we, and, and it's not anything crazy. Everybody can calm down. You're, you're already updating your Facebook right now. Everybody just signed off Facebook Live like, oh, no, we can't go there anymore. They're not perfect. But here's what happens in this argument. Here's what happens in this thing is it's not that we don't agree. Even in the argument, <coughs> excuse me, we want the same thing. What actually ends up happening is the vision in the plan in the structure gets distracted and we make mistakes. Now, nobody, I use the word mistake. You're all like, oh, what was the mistake? No, no, no calm down. Here's what I want you to know this morning. Vision leaks. 
You may say like, oh, I'm not distracted. I have clarity. I have a vision. Maybe you had a vision at the beginning of the year. But over time, over the course of things, vision leaks. You just get distracted. You get off course. Does that make sense today? And so I'm just trying to get you to understand that there's season in our life where we said, oh my goodness, look at, we've, we've gotten distracted. We've gotten off course. It's called, it's caused friction. And so this thing has kind of stepped in. So what do we need to do? Recalibrate things back to clear vision. Am I making sense this morning? Because when you're distracted, you make mistakes. All of these little silly stories I just talked about all boil down to we were distracted. We missed things and therefore mistakes happened. And so here's what I want you to kind of understand about all that we're carrying through this is Uh, Coach Lou Holt says this. He says, it's not the load that breaks you. It's the way you carry it. I believe all of us are capable of thriving in this year, in this season. I believe that God has great plans for every single person in the way that we're walking, in the way that he's leading us. We have to be very detailed and make sure we have great clarity about the way that we're carrying this load. Can I get an amen? Vision has to be clear. We're going to talk about it in a minute. How we're getting our our steps from the Lord needs to be really clear because if we allow ourselves to get distracted, we make mistakes. If we allow ourselves to get distracted, our vision leaks. Clarity seems to get more foggy, and so we got to stay on point. So my next two points I'm going to give you here in just a minute help us do that. But before that, I want to teach you one thing, kind of a big theology thought. Be ready to learn this morning is this. We are a trichotomy being. We have three parts to us. We're made up of three parts. It's called, we're trichotomy people. Some of you are like, see, I knew. People have been telling me I was three people my whole life. Yeah, see, you got a reason for it. You got a word for it. Trichotomy means this, your spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is what relates to God. So we're spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit relates to God. It's also eternal. Uh, Your soul relates to others. It's also where we're, um, we get psychology, and it's psychological. It's our mind, will, and our emotions, so our soul part of it. And then our body is what relates to the environment. It's physical, okay? And so all three of these have to be in proper order for us to be healthy and for us to be walking in the way that we're called to walk in. How many of you have ever had an injury? Maybe you hurt your ankle, and because you favored your ankle, all of a sudden now your hip hurts, or you hurt your shoulder, so then now your back hurts because the way you favored this. That's what happens if, if our uh, three-part being isn't in alignment with the way God created us to be. If number one is out, then number three might start to hurt. So it's so important for us to have clarity and focus and not get distracted because if one goes wrong, the others start to go out of alignment. They all have to be in alignment. Uh, there's a book out there called Everything is Spiritual, and it gives us this idea of like if you ever walked up to Jesus and said like, hey, Jesus, how's your spiritual life going? He would have been like, spiritual life? What? Spiritual life? What are you talking about? And uh, because there was no separation, every decision is spiritual. Uh, we love to say to each other in church like, hey, how's your spiritual life? And, and we're like, oh, my spiritual life is this. and Because we have spiritual life at church. We have spiritual life in study. We have spiritual life when we worship. But Jesus' understanding of spiritual life is Every decision we make is spiritual. Every interaction we have is spiritual. Basically meaning every focus that you focus on needs to be in alignment with things that are spiritually impacting. Are are you understanding what I'm saying? You're not. Okay, that's all right. We'll keep going. I said it in the last couple weeks. If the enemy can't destroy your life, he'll keep you distracted enough to disempower it. 
So if you're a trichotomy, if there's three parts to you, we need to have a healthy spiritual life, how we relate to God, how we, how we believe, how we walk with God, our soul, how we relate to others. Your relationships need to be healthy. They can't be distracting. They can't be dysfunctional. In this season, if you got people in your life who are negative and hindering and pulling you down, that's something I would encourage you to remove that distraction. Can I get an amen today? Your body. You need to watch your pace. You need to watch how you're keeping. The scripture says that our body is a temple. It's important for us to take care of that part of how we're walking. Are you overdoing it? Are you not resting? Are you not having seasons of, of, of time where you're spending with God so that your body can be what it's supposed to be? Um, we live in a world of distraction. The text messaging information is mind-blowing. In 2009, there was 240 billion texts sent in one year. 240 billion text sent in one year. In 2017, there was 781 billion texts sent per month. So all these little interruptions that you get, and I'm not against them. I get them on my phone. I get them on my iPad. I get them on my watch, all these little directions. I got the chip already, so I get them on my chip. But I'm just saying, I'm not against notifications. I'm just saying that if we allow them to distract and distract and distract and distract, it's going to cloud and hinder your focus, and we're going to make mistakes. The newest data of America is that in the United States alone, there's 9.3 trillion text messages sent a year in America alone. 9.3 trillion text messages sent a year in America alone. Now, that number is going to go way up next year because I think about half of that number is how many texts just sent me in our argument this week. So that number is going to be just, yeah, I'm going to have a good day today. Bernie Krause whatever, you guys. It's fun to have fun. And I'm scared. <laughs> Bernie Krause, who records nature sounds for film and television, this guy, he tries to get pure, uninterrupted nature sounds. And so uh, in 1968, in order to get one hour of natural sound, meaning no airplanes going over, no cars going by, no people speaking, it would take him about 15 hours of recording time to get one hour of in, un, uninterrupted nature sounds. In 2010, he says it takes him 2,000 hours of recording time. Why? Because we have so much noise continually traveling through our world. But the scripture says, Psalm 4.4, I'm paraphrasing this. It says that we need to have times where we search our hearts and we're silent. In order for us to be healthy, that trichotomy to be in a good alignment, you have to have seasons of your life where you're able to handle the silence. Uh, when they first started letting us go back to restaurants, I ran to the Holy Land, the Holy of Holies. I ran as quickly as we could to the Promised Land, which, of course, means we went right to Russ's. And, uh, yeah, yes, praise the Lord. Those Christians keeping it closed on Sunday. Ugh. And... Uh, and so, what, and so what we did, we went there, but here's what happened. So the whole family goes there. We're so excited to go back. And then what happened is they didn't play any music in the building. I know some of you, that hit you deep, like, oh, Lord. But you're sitting there at the table. There's no... Now, I remember like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe, when restaurants first started playing music, people say, like, we're not going there. They're playing that loud music. Now, when you go to restaurants, it's really unusual, and then there's no background music. It's like eerie, just quiet. <laughs> And it's uncomfortable. Why? I'm, I'm concerned that we're being programmed for noise. How many of you would admit when you come home and my hand is raised, 
as soon as you maybe get home or you start your day or whatever, you're either immediately turning on music or a TV show that you're not even watching. Why? Because you just want something going. Working in the garage, doing whatever you're doing. I mean, if you think about when you mow or you run or whatever you do, we're constantly hitting ourselves with noise. But Psalms gives us this reminder of like, you got to have times of searching your heart in silence. Why? Because I think it helps and keeps us uh, in alignment. You might not know this. This is crazy. I'm going to give you guys a hack right now. Did you know that on your phone, this is crazy. Did you know that on your phone, there's actually a button. You can turn your phone off. It's crazy. I've never tried it, honestly, but you can do that, and uh, it's healthy for you. So point number two, these next two points are going to be the thing that I knock on your door and follow up with you this week. I'm going to be showing up, and I'm going to be like, hey, I'm going to make sure you're doing these two things. Point number two is this. When you have no clear vision, you fail. When you have no clear vision, you fail. Proverbs 29, 18 in the Passion Translation. I'm reading this translation, not because it's the most accurate, but I think these are really famous scriptures that we've probably heard the traditional way. I'm just going to read it a little bit different way. So it says this, when there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. Scripture said, when there is no clear prophetic vision, prophetic meaning a from heaven vision for your life, prophetic, God's word, from God vision, when there's no clear vision for your life, you will fall astray. But when we follow the revelation of the word, last week we talked about God still speaks. Last week we talked about how God speaks through his word. The, the first two Sundays of this series, you should check out if you're looking to hear from God. But we talked about, so the revelation that we get from God, it fills us with heaven's bliss. I would much rather be a person whose life is filled with the bliss of heaven than the bliss of the news. How many are with me? Should we call it the blister of the news, the blister of social media, the blister of your negative neighbor? If we can be a people that say, hey, I know this is a mess. I know that my plans that I had in January all went out the window, but I'm not just going to sit here lethargic and waste time and wait for it to all be over. People saying like, oh, after the election, oh, after the beginning year, what about right now? Can I get an amen today? What if just every day we get up and say, God, what is your vision for my life so that I can walk around not with the blister of the world, but with the bliss of heaven in my life? Can I get an amen? And I don't care who you are. My hand is raised. Everybody's in it. Pandemic, no matter who you are, this whole thing has brought cloudiness to your life's vision. You used to think the kids were going to go to school like this. You used to think you were going to go to work like this. You used to think you were going to go on vacation like this and visit people like this. All of it has gotten cloudy. And it's always changing. So I'm saying it's absolutely essential for us to be a people who go back to heaven and say, God, I need prophetic vision. I need your vision. Can I get an amen today? So my questions to you this week will be, what is your vision for your career? What is your vision for your friends right now? Are there certain people you got to cut out? Are there people that are clouding God's heavenly vision? They're snuffing out that heavenly bliss in your life. Are there some people that you need to say, hey, it's too distracting. It's going to cause me to make mistakes. What's your vision for your kids and how you're going to interact with them and participate with them? If you're sending them to school, I think you need to have a vision for how you're going to interact with them. Are you with me? If you're homeschooling them, you're going to have to have a vision for how you're going to let them go play in the street. <laughs> uh, what about your church? I'm concerned that many people are using this whole thing as an excuse to just be lethargic. God is calling on his people to shine like never before, and we're just, we're just in cruise control. Can I use the word lukewarm? Have you been 
spoken to by God about how you should be going forward with church? Or are you just making haphazard decisions about how you're going to participate in things? Or have God given you a prophetic vision for how you're going to participate with your church going forward? Can I get an amen? So we need to, we need to, and so my concern is like, come on, we can't just be whipping in the wind. I love this thought. Uh, We say it at the beginning of every year in our Seek series, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. When we just say, oh, whatever, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens after the election. We'll see what happens in the new year. We'll see what happens. No, indecision is the greatest thief of opportunity. What does God want to do and thrive with you in this season? And so we need to get vision and we need to stay committed to it. Everybody say amen. Point number three, write this one down. I know we all know this. Again, I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation so it hits us different. But point number three says this, when we seek him, he adds to us. So the value, the benefit, the blessing of relationship with God is when we seek him, he adds to us. Matthew 6, So above all, constantly, everybody say constantly, chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. We're chasing after the kingdom of God, the reality of God, the realm of God, not the realm of social media, not the realm of the world, not the realm of Fox News and CNN, not the realm of all those. We get up and we chase the realm of God's kingdom on a daily basis. Can I get an amen? Then all of these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Says this, refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. If we're a person that the first thing we do is wake up and see what the realm of heaven is saying versus the realm of social media versus the realm of our friends versus the realm of this and that politician, this kind of thing. If we don't run to the car crash of all of that chaos every single day, but instead we run to the realm of heaven, the scripture promises us that everything else that we need will be added unto us. If our first step and our first thought and our first passion is the things of God, the scripture says God brings everything else into order. It's like we feel like if we pay enough attention to all the crazy, we're going to somehow control it. The song doesn't say that God holds the world in your hands. Some of us need that reality. It's not in your hands. It's in his hands. And if we wake up and seek him, we'll find. Are you with me? So we're not seeking the realm of the world. The next we get so caught up in the next. Oh, the next house, the next thing, the next move. If our next is always God first, he adds all that we need. I thought about it like this. I'll I'll close. Um, I thought about it like this. You know, in real life, when you are seeking something, you're looking to take the next step, say you're going to buy a car. You take a step, you you go to a professional usually, or you go to the source to find out about a car. And so we have no problem in our natural world being like, okay, I need to know about this. I'm going to go get the information from the source. You find out about a car. Uh, We have no problem when we go to buy a house. We say, oh, I need to buy or sell a house uh, because we're all smart people, so we don't for sale by owner. We find the realtors in the church, and we use them. Shout out, realtors. Uh, I like like food or uh, salt and pepper gift cards if you want to mail those to me for your little shout out there. (laughs) Buffalo Wild Wings will do. Uh, But I have to take my wife on a lot of dates, so get those gift cards coming. Got some repair to happen. <laughs> Russ says it's fine too. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. But we would go, we would go to a professional. We would seek the information. So about this microphone, if I was about to say, same thing with a doctor, right? Like, oh my gosh, I have this illness. I need to seek out 
information. So we all just go on WebMD and self-diagnose. No, I'm just kidding. You go to a professional, you're like, what's going on with me? I need to figure out because it's someone who understands it. Same thing with this microphone. If I was trying to figure out how this microphone worked, I wouldn't go to like someone who makes a guitar. I would go to somebody who makes a microphone, the creator, the inventor, the one who knit it and formed it and put it together and knows its capability. Are you tracking what I'm saying? So our first move every day when we want to find out and discover about things in our life and our purpose and our direction and our plan, we shouldn't run to social media. We shouldn't run to the internet. We shouldn't run to all the things. We should run to our creator, our inventor, the one who puts us together and the scripture says holds our world in place. Are you with me? And so God's got this. He can lead us in this. So we, we, we get a vision. We get a clear vision from him and then we seek him in it every single day and he'll reveal all of the things that we need revealed. Because here's the truth, God is not intimidated, God is not surprised, God is not worried about anything that we're facing right now. Actually, God's expectation of you is to be able to thrive in the impossible, in the miraculous. Just painted uh, this thought in our kitchen, uh, it's by Pastor Bill Johnson, he gives the statement, he said, God's expectation of you is to do the impossible. God's expectation of your life is for you to be walking in the impossible or the miraculous. You say, how can you say that, Pastor? Well, the scripture says before Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, the scripture says he gives us the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm sending you a helper who's going to give you power and he's going to give you ability. And then he says, you're going to do even greater things than me. I'm going back to heaven to be with the Father. You're getting the Holy Spirit. And when I'm gone, you're going to be able to do even greater things than me. Well, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He opened the blind eye. Are you with me? He did the miraculous. And so he was saying, you're going to do even greater. So God's expectation of us because he believes in us, because he cares about us, because he's for us, because he knows how he created us is for us to be able to walk in the impossible. So we shouldn't be worried and all upset. What we should be doing is chasing heaven for a vision and seeking God and his kingdom so that we can get revelation about how he would cause us to thrive in this. Can I get an amen? We need to remember, we don't let what we see make us forget what God says. We can't let everything that we see make us forget what God says. Get a vision, seek him, and stick with what he's saying and what he's revealing, because God's got this. Amen? Because when we get distracted, we make mistakes.